How's it going? It's fixing to be a lot better, man. Welcome back to Dazed and Confused, 33 and a third. I'm your host, Jarf, and listeners, you're in for a treat. We are covering track 11 today, and with me is occasional Movies by Minute podcaster, Alex Thompson Forte. Hey, 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 everybody. (laughs) (laughs) And comedian and podcast socialite, Alice Lauren. Okay, okay, okay. (laughs) <laughs> just a, a step down from all right all right all right yeah. that's it well thanks both of you for joining me i have to admit right at the top to a little bit of regret i've never booked the two of you together and your first names sound so similar i just have a feeling there's going to be a confusion at one point did you say Alice? Did you say Alex? Who are you addressing? So that that I mean, I could do the whole thing as McConaughey if you want. That would make your life easier. I mean, I think that would make everyone everyone's life better. So yeah. absolutely. So in this scene, uh, originally they were just going to use oregano for us to smoke, <laughs> but I pulled a little dime bag out of my pocket and we smoked some of that instead. This is going to be great. Please do that voice the entire time. Yes. <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, let me set it up, and then and then I had a couple questions that I wanted to get in to with both of you. So, track eleven, it starts uh, with Wooderson, Pink, and Mitch pulling into the Emporium parking lot, and it goes through Mitch telling Pink that he hasn't smoked pot. So we are at one of the premier locations of the movie, the Emporium. And we get a ton of great characters in this scene. So uh, there's a lot of juicy bits to pick from. But I wanted to ask you first, Matthew, what was there a moment in this scene that spoke to you and why? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure I mean, every moment spoke to me, man. You know, it's like I'm always there for that moment. But um, yeah, uh, enough from you, Matthew. <sighs> I don't know, the moment that spoke to me in this scene, I mean, I hate to say just like the all right, all right, all right. (laughs) Just like, hey, he did that thing. I mean, how could you not pick that, right? It's so iconic. So yeah, can't argue with that choice. How, How about you, Alice? Was there a moment that spoke to you? I mean, I feel like this kind of gets into which character I really resonated with. And I just feel like Mitch being very awkward and just kind of seeing him you know, walking with these boys, looking very like, you know, what the hell am I doing here? I'm just a little kid, you know, kind of this pretend bravado. And even at the end, the kind of like, you know, are you, are you good? And he's like, I don't, what, you know, like, he doesn't even know what that means. Like, this isn't even his world. He's so out of his element. I really, I really felt a lot for that kid. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Mitch's awkwardness always speaks to me too. And you teed up something that is a favorite element for me. So towards the end, Slater asks him, are you cool, man? And he says, uh, I, I, I don't know. How do you mean? And, uh, but what I really like is then Pink takes him aside and explains, okay, so he was asking, do you smoke pot? And this is something that continues throughout the movie 
Pink's really taking him under his wing and and explaining kind of how their friend group works. And it's so intimidating when you join a new group and they have all of these catchphrases and and everyone's too cool to explain anything to you. So it's it would really be nice to have kind of a Pink to say like, well, okay, this is that's what they're really talking about. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you sort of latched on to Mitch's awkwardness there because on the one hand yes he he feel he seems awkward because he you know he's trying to fit in with this new group on the other hand he's a freshman that's getting to hang out with these older kids or not even a freshman really like he he's a <laughs> he finished 8th grade he's about to be a freshman uh you know he's a jock apparently you know he uh he's being taken in by the older jock the the senior quarterback is taking him under his wing a little bit. So it's sort of a weird, like, I can see how it feels awkward for him, but then me having kind of always been an outsider to that sort of situation, I it looks to me like the freshman jock has been taken in by the senior cool kids. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is a reflection of the director and the fact that He was a jock in high school, and so you don't get this John Hughes stratification where there's there's the nerds and the jocks, and in a lot of movies, the Mitch would be the super awkward nerdy kid that is on the outside, and it would be there wouldn't be that kind of natural connection between him and Pink. Yeah. So Alice, you kind of kind of grow up to be like no i was gonna say do you think that mitch maybe grew up to be like that a little weird way to say this like senior jock hottie asshole you know kind of thing because it's it, i mean i, I can't really I see it now he seems like this like prepubescent like yeah i'm gonna puff out my little my little chest but you know maybe maybe if if we if there was a dazed and confused too yeah. he would be you know senior badass asshole guy i don't think he grows up to be the jock asshole i think there are other characters in this movie who feel more like the jock asshole i think he's like the cool jock like pink is he he seems like the guy who when he's the senior star pitcher he he will take the next you know freshman kid kind of like him under his wing a little bit yeah probably the jock asshole was his friend who is on the baseball team with him Mm-hmm. And basically says, you know what? They're gonna, they're gonna whoop you anyway. So why don't you run out the outfield so they only get you and give us a chance to get away and and like makes fun of them and mm-hmm. uh, so and you kind of see that like he doesn't have as much heart as Mitch does. So yeah, he probably turns out to be the O'Banion of the future. Yeah, yeah, he's the guy who's taking the punishment now, and he's saying, like, oh, just wait till it's my turn. Oh, my paddle's going to have spikes on it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm guessing, Alice, you were saying, because another question I like to ask is what character is the most or least like who you were growing up? So is your answer Mitch or is there there more to the story there, Alice? Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's got to be the Mitch for me just because, I mean, I'm someone who always wanted to be that cool, popular kid. And, you know, I would have... I would have loved kind of that that ability. I sort of, you know, wish that I had been in his shoes or, you know, in different sections, Sabrina's shoes, I guess, the the, the girl side of this. 
Um, and it's really interesting also because both of them weren't taken in as like someone that the seniors made fun of. Like they were like, oh yeah, you're going to be kind of the rising cool kids. Like it was, it was very genuine, you know, friendship, I guess, you know, or, or like, I mean, it's not friendship, like it's brotherhood or sisterhood, you know, after, instead of kind of that, because this is actually, I guess, what I experienced when I was younger, which is kind of the, the mean girl aspect of, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll be your friend, but I'm still going to kind of make fun of you, sort of be condescending. And nobody was really condescending to Mitch, maybe a little bit, maybe a little bit of that, you know, oh, you're the little kid, let me kind of pat you on the head. Oh, you know, you're like when Mitch tries to talk to that that sophomore girl and she seemed like oh you know he's he's just a little you know a little kid at first obviously so it's just I, yeah I, I definitely relate to Mitch I kind of I mean I would I would I would love what you know Pink has I would love who you know what Matthew McConaughey's character has I'd love to be that cool but I think I relate a lot more to Mitch nice and I like what you pointed out there because it's true that both the incoming freshman boys and incoming freshman girls, they, they go through this hazing and, and it is horrible, but then it is done. It's that one time and then they're done. And for the ones, the Mitch and the Sabrina that get taken under the wing of a senior, then they are, they're not trying to undermine them. They're not going to continue. They don't give them a mean nickname that they keep on calling them kind of thing. So that is a nice contrast to, to that, that frenemies mean girl vibe. What about you, Alex? Same question for you. Which character is the most or least like who you were? I really struggled with this. I'm trying to figure this out because I think it's a good call out by you that this is more of, this movie shows more of a narrower social spectrum than something like a John Hughes movie does where, you know, in something like John Hughes, every every character fits into or fits enough into, you know, one of a few very broad archetypes. Whereas I'm watching this movie and almost everyone here feels cooler than I did in high school. And not just because, like, uh, 70s and we're smoking grass, you know. Everyone here feels like they were a, a, a social level above me. <sighs> I, I, I guess I kind of point to either Tony or uh, maybe Woodhouse, Mike Woodhouse, I guess. Uh, just sort of the quiet, quieter, awkward nerds who kind of try to do the things to fit in and, and it just feels sort of unnatural from them you know because unfortunately that's kind of that was kind of who I was I was a nerd sort of in denial for many years and, and then I was a nerd at basically a preppy jock school trying to get trying desperately to get the approval of a school full of people that it didn't come naturally to me to do the things that would gain their approval. And so I, I guess those guys are the ones that spoke to me the most, but yeah, it, it like no one really jumped out and, and felt like, Oh yeah, that that's me right there on screen. Yeah. So yeah, that, that is fair enough. And, and it made me actually think, well, when you talked about them trying to do the cool thing and, it not being natural. The scene that 
really underscored that the most for me was later on after Wooderson hits on Cynthia Rabisi's character and they're in the car saying like, oh, that was so gross. Oh, and she's kind of flattered and she's like picking out her hair. And he had told them about the party at the moon tower. And they're saying, oh, they're like, no way. That's so gross. Oh, yeah. that's so dumb. We and then, go though, right? yeah, exactly. She's like, we're going to go though, right? <laughs> so yeah, it's hard finding the people that you fit in with. And that's that's what I was thinking would have been neat to see about Sabrina's story, because I don't think the senior girl that invites her out to hang out with them, I don't think that's who she would have ended up connecting with the way Mitch connects with Pink. I think that it wouldn't be until she met Cynthia that she made that friend connection. So it could have been an interesting exploration of the, okay, there's the the people that you first meet when you don't know anyone and they're the ones that you hang out with out of necessity and convenience. But then it's that big jump up once you find the people that really are your people and you can relate to. So that would have been nice to see. All right, all right, all right. Let's talk a little bit about the music. So the song that we have here, of course, is Hurricane by Bob Dylan. And I was curious how you reacted to it. How do you think this song enhances the scene or does it detract from the story? I mean, I had never heard of this song before. I actually just had to like, I literally Googled champion of the world because that like, you know, stood out for me. I'm like, is this champion of the world? I don't know. You know, and it, and it came upon, you know, Hurricane Bob Dylan. And I was like, okay, I mean, was this the same? I couldn't even figure out that it was the same song that I had heard until I, you know, watched the, the clip again. It is kind of an interesting, I don't, I don't want to say party song, kind of. I think it's, I think I would have expected something a little more badass rock and roll for these, you know, where the bros rolling into the, <laughs> sounds ridiculous, where the bros rolling into the pinball arcade. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, that turn of phrase, the bros rolling into the pinball arcade, just That's not a sentence I thought, yeah. <laughs> That's not a sentence I ever thought. I don't think anyone has ever said that. <laughs> Somebody pulled back the plunger and shot the bros up into the pinball arcade. <laughs> nice. <laughs> How about you, Alex? What did you think of the, the song for this scene? So there, I know there are other songs in this movie that feel like they completely go with their scene. And this, I was almost reminded a little bit of, uh, I want to say, I'm sure Guardians of the Galaxy has been invoked at some point on this show, where the song doesn't necessarily entirely fit, but it, like, they juxtapose well enough. Like, the I think really the lyrical content of the song is what, doesn't entirely make doesn't entirely fit to me just because it's it's a song about a boxer who was locked in prison and racial injustice and uh, you know uh, I mean race barely seems to factor into this movie at all and like kind of musically if you're it it fits as long as you don't pay attention to what the lyrics are saying I think a hundred percent. If you just think of it as uh, as this song is just like, 
you know, it works for that, that in that sense, it works. Yes, 100%. And, and I think both of you were, were kind of teasing out that it doesn't fit thematically. Mm-hmm. It sounds cool, but especially what you said, Alex, about the lyrics. I mean, it's a great song in its own right and for that important message. But as far as how it fits into this moment in the movie. I know from the director's standpoint, he put it on the soundtrack and in the scene because he based this on a pool hall, the actual Emporium, which was in Huntsville, Texas. And he said that song was on the jukebox. So this is just, this is like his memory. He can kind of remember that feeling of just walking in and you're seeing all your friends and and like a great song is playing on the jukebox. So it really thematically has nothing to do with the story that Dylan's playing in the song. And I thought it would be good to tease that out before we think about our own versions of this, because sometimes there is a song that's that's really fun and people might be likely to put it on a jukebox or stream it at a get together or what have you. And they don't really know the meaning of it. Like if I think of a modern day equivalent, I'm thinking of pumped up kicks by foster the people. So, which I only recently learned, um, it was about gun violence. Uh, So yes, I like to do a lot of reminiscing with my guests. See, so for this next question, I wanted you to think about this scene and the song and and everything that's happening with the characters and then take yourself back into your own past. So if they made a movie about your high school or college days, what would play on the soundtrack in your version of this scene? And why don't you take it first, Alex? God, was Pumped Up Kicks out? Because you mentioned that, and now that's like all I can think of. I feel like Pumped Up Kicks wasn't out till I was out of college already. Uh, yeah, something in that kind of a, a vein. Cause like acoustic guitar, but it's, you know, not like a slow ballady type of a song and of course now all i've got in my head is pumped up kicks uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah that's fair yeah that it feels like something like that kind of would um is sort of the vibe that they're going for here yeah something in that kind of fun acoustic song genre i'm sure one will come to me as soon as we hit stop on the recording but right now nothing is right now it's all gone from my head isn't that always the way with podcasting yes Well, how about you, Alice? So the question was, if they made a movie about your high school days, what would play on the soundtrack in your version of the scene? Did you have like an arcade or anything that you went to? Oh my gosh, I don't even know. I was such a lonely girl. I don't know about my own like personal high school days, but I'm just trying to think of even if it was like a movie, but it was about, you know, the 2010, 2011, something like that. I'm really de-aging myself i don't even know uh i'm young but i guess i would say probably i mean, I'm really just think of like like party songs so i think of like party rock anthem like lmfao i think of like tiktok kesha you know just trying to imagine this scene or like other big you know teen like a like a super bad like a teen comedy party kind of you know vibe i could see a version of this scene edited to uh to tiktok definitely yeah, yeah. Those are fun. I, lo- I like those, Alice. Since we've we've been talking about the Emporium a little bit, I, I had just some fun trivia from the making of. I mentioned that there really was 
an emporium in Huntsville, Texas. Not there anymore, sadly. So this was filmed in Austin. So if you want to see the, these pool tables that they're playing on, it's in what is now the Aristocrat Lounge in Austin. <laughs> I know, fancy. And at the time of filming uh, for these interiors, it was a bar called the Poodle Dog Lounge. Poodle Dog seems, I, I know, I, I like that name more, even though Poodle Dog is a bit redundant. But yeah, I just, I, I thought that was fun that they're really, you know, you could go and kind of do your own walk inside. Alice, you can, you know, you can bring your phone and you can just queue up TikTok um, and then just walk in there confidently. <laughs> oh my gosh, my own entrance music. Do we know that the Aristocrat Lounge is actually a fancy place? Because when you said that, I immediately thought of the Aristocrats joke. Which would not be a fancy place. Yeah, 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 me too. <laughs> it's a strip club um, with pool tables. People come for the pool tables, though. So it's fine. When I googled Aristocrat Lounge Austin, their Facebook page, the breadcrumb trail, redirects down to Bar Dive Bar. So I don't think it's... <laughs> Like, it might be, like, a nice dive bar. I know dive bars is really, like, a subgenre of bar, but I think Aristocrat Lounge is, in, is a bit of an ironic name. Yeah, I checked out their Instagram. It, 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 is, it isn't fancy. It's like their aesthetic was hipster. Mm-hmm. You're in Austin, so you're, in you're Austin, most likely yeah. playing to the hipster crowd. So Was this movie supposed to take place in Texas? I yes. didn't really think about it. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So now you both referenced the aristocrat joke. I don't know that joke. Oh god. I don't really remember it. I. Uh... Uh, I do. Go ahead, Alex. There. You no. Uh, the, the, voice. No. It's not. No. It. I, I know that the podcast is rated R, but no, yeah. the joke is. The joke is beyond rated R. There's an entire documentary about the same. And it's kind of long. Um, called the aristocrats yeah. is that what that movie's about yeah so the aristocrats versus the aristocats <laughs> which is the disney not movie. the aristocats aristocats yeah yeah <laughs> yeah if you you could just look up basically um i'll kind of i'll kind of give sort of a short uh, tldr version of what the documentary will tell you so the aristocrats joke guy goes into a talent agent's office he says i've got the perfect act for you it's a family act and then they proceed to do the family act is just like doing just the worst things you can imagine, you know, scatological, um, uh, incest, every sort of, you know, gross thing. Really, like the really the point of it is essentially the Animals. comedian yeah. improvise. Yeah. yeah, the comedian getting to riff and improvise on it in their own style. And at the end of the joke, the agent goes, what the fuck is that? What do you call that? And he goes, the aristocrats. Like it's intentionally not funny. In a way, like it, it, the funny is the the path there, and the fact that you know a comedian is doing is telling this joke is telling anything really. Like the fact that like Bob Saget says things and they're funny because he's Bob Saget and he knows how to say things in a funny way. It's not that it's funny because he's specifically saying this. Gotcha. So it's a, it's more of a joke format than a specific yeah. joke. Okay. Yeah, it's a joke format, and it's also the fact that it 
became you know a documentary aside it was it was a little bit of like an insider thing like a secret handshake for comedians and stuff like because you know it's the joke that they would might tell to like play with each other dave he can tell that joke for like 20 minutes he can go on for 20 minutes about the things that they were fucking and sucking <laughs> and the dog and so on, i but, believe you know. it <laughs> yeah. yeah okay well amazing and uh so i'm glad that we went down that rabbit hole because now i know something <laughs> that i didn't know and apropos of nothing ultimately what I want out of this is for there to be an Aristocat lounge. What can we do to make that happen? Yes. Right? I mean, they have cat cafes, right? So maybe... So why not Why not a dive bar, a hipster dive bar for cats? For cats? Or like people can come in and pet cats? I really wanted to make it cat-centric, cat bartenders, cat lounge singer. Cat bartenders! <laughs> but that's just... I feel oh like Aristocat God. Lounge would be like the jazz bar at a Disney resort, though. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Oh my God, with like little kitten heels. Oh. Yeah, because I, I tried googling that and I got nothing. It, it even tried to correct me back. To <laughs> right. I was like, did you mean Aristocat Cat Lounge? No, no. Aristocat. No. Aristocat, damn it. Aristocat Lounge. <laughs> Awesome. Well, that was all that I had for this, but I wanted to make sure to give you both time to plug. So Alex, you said that you are an occasional Movies by Minute podcaster. So what do you podcast about occasionally? Nowadays, really just whoever will have me guest. I've got a couple projects that have come to their completion. Galaxy Quest Minute covering the obvious and independence day minute both of those are on a podcatcher near you awesome and alice is there anything that you'd like to plug well i mean i love kind of guesting on movies by minute podcasts and all other any anything really i'll, I'll watch anything for the first time especially and and then talk about it later or not whatever um but my twitter is at pod socialite where i post a ton of of guests, you know, guests and whatever things that I do. Um, my, let's see, my TikTok is podcast socialite because I'm a millennial and I have one. Yeah, just kind of talk to me on there. Let me know where you where you heard me. Sweet. Well, that sounds like a plan. And Alice and Alex. Yes, I I got them both out. Uh, uh, thank you again for joining. This was a ton of fun. And listeners, uh, be sure to check us out next week. Take care, you guys. Not to worry, there's a new fiesta in the making. Join us at the Moon Tower, our Facebook listeners group. Until next time, just keep living, man. L-I-V-I-N. The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.